Amen. Wonderful, wonderful talent. Amen. Such wonderful talent in this church. If you are hiding your talent, please let it be known. Bring it forth and use it for the Lord. That's why he gave it to you in the first place. You don't have your talent to make money. You don't have your talent just so people will like you. You have your talent that God gave you so that you will return it to him so that he would get the glory. And I went over, like what they say, like a lead balloon. Amen. So I uh, preached to you today something. Um, I want you to pray right, right before we get going here. I want to have, we'll have some prayer. Um, I said before, you know, you can tell you're fasting because you're aggravated. I'm aggravated. I'm aggravated. I'm not aggra aggravated at any one person. It's just because when you come into prayer and fasting and you decrease your flesh, uh, the desires of the flesh, and you increase, try to increase spiritualness, the devil comes against you. What you are is you're getting God's attention, but you're also getting the enemy's attention. And he doesn't like the way you're going. And all he wants to do is just put anything in your way so that you'll stop and say, you know what, I better just take a break. I better not fast anymore. I better not do what I need to do. And so the devil, the devil's working on me, amen. And so I want to deliver the word to you, amen, in the spirit. And so I'll have you pray in a little bit. I always love February. I always love prayer and fasting time since we've moved it to February. I've absolutely loved it. Um, one of the things that has been a... Um, kind of a habit for us to get into me and my wife is we'll go back and we'll watch some old uh, movies some old home movies that we have recorded of the kids um, when they were younger and also church events watched uh, the 40th anniversary of the church over at the uh, old the old church we call it amen um, honoring Robert McKinnis and the 40 years there starting the church watched that the other day watched a, just a random service um, different things, but this past uh, week we um, we watched uh, Brooklyn's third birthday party. Amen. Which was darling. What was so awesome about it is she's there. It was a princess party, of course, so she had her full princess garb on. Amen. And uh, what I loved about it is she's there, and of course Bryce was there. Jordan was there. Jasmine was there. And Hunter was there. Hayden was there, and Hannah was there, and uh, Sierra was there, and I think Emily was there, amen. Of course, my, my brother's children was there, and uh, our cousin from uh, Tennessee, Anna, she was there, amen. I can't think of any other kids that was probably at that time. And I, what I just love, she's opened up her presents, you know, and um, all the kids are just wrapped around her. You know, we just laughed. All, we laughed all night. Jordan's like, that's my present. That's my present that I gave her. This is not from Jasmine. This is mine. He kept saying, this is mine. This is mine from her to her from me. And then Jasmine was another present. What I love, though, what touched me is that, you know, that was uh, her third birthday party. You know, she's three years old. Now she's 18. Those same people are around her, love her, friends with her. That's amazing to me. 
And I know that that's only by the grace of God, amen. And I know that there's been many, many friends since then, and I'm not trying to just draw out that, but that was one video. And I just, you know, I said, you know what? My kids are so blessed, um, so blessed throughout the, the whole thing, but to have some wonderful friends. And so thank you, parents, for investing your children into being good friends with other children, amen. It's a wonderful thing, hallelujah. That was a side note. Don't even want to preach about that. Just wanted to talk about it. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. I want us to pray first, and then I'm going to um, read some scripture, and then I'll get uh, talking about what I feel like God wants me to say today. But before I read scripture, because I have quite a bit of scripture, I want us to actually pray first. Um, I, I don't want this service just to be any old service. I don't want this just to be a... Uh, uh, this is just where we're supposed to be on Sunday. But I want God to touch you. I want God to touch you. And I want, uh, I think I have something to remind you, to hopefully encourage you, uh, that God is for you. Amen. And he is not against you. Amen. And so uh, I want the spirit of the Lord to take its liberty. And so it, we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to fight some battles this morning in the flesh and let the spirit prevail. Amen. Who's ready to do some battle? Come on, who's ready to do some warfare, amen? Anybody got the armor of God on today and is willing to go against the enemy, amen, on behalf of your friends and your neighbors and your family, amen. So before we get going, let's just pray. I want everybody to just pray. Lord God, I need you, Lord Jesus, right now. Hallelujah. Everybody said amen. Give someone an air high five. Then I'm going to let you be seated. I want to go to Judges. I just, I, I've got a little bit of scripture that I want to read. And so I didn't want you to stand for it. I want you to, this, this probably won't be the most exciting parts of scripture that you've ever heard in a message. But please I have a point of why I am going to read it. Judges chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Take notice of the story. Take notice of a pattern that you're going to see in this story. Judges chapter 3, verse 5. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And if you can say all those names right, God bless you. Verse 6, and they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods, little g, other people, gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam in the groves. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of a name of a king that we will call C.R. from now on king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Sear eight years. 
And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went unto the war, and the Lord delivered Sear, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against that man named Sear. And the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Jerah, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Did you catch the pattern? Okay, let's read just one more scripture. After the story of the man I just said, the left-handed man, which you want to go and read what he did. It's pretty fantastic. But if you go to chapter 4, Judges 4 and 1, it says this. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. There is a pattern here that Israel does, and, and it's really a pattern throughout the whole Bible. What I want to talk about is this. It never fails. I said it Wednesday night after we had a wonderful move of God. I, I said that word, that phrase, it never fails, and it stuck with me, and I need to talk a little bit more about it. When pursuing after God's presence with passion, now get what I said. When pursuing after God's presence with passion, you will find yourself in the expected position of favor. It will not be an accident. It will not be a surprise. But if you go after God's presence with passion, not with lethargicness, not with just, well, I better do it because it's Sunday, but I'm going to come after God's presence with passion, with energy, with everything I have, you can expect. You can just declare that you will be in a position of favor. As we toll in our lives and we face disappointments, which we all face, we understand that only through a relationship with Jesus will things in our lives begin to be set right again. I want to encourage you that if you had all thought that there was any other answer outside of God Almighty, let me just point out to you that you are mistaken because there is only one answer and his name is Jesus. And so to begin this journey, we start the process by falling on our knees and calling out to God Almighty. And then we wait to hear a reply and as we wait and this is the position we find our church in right now as we wait we find our flesh gaining strength and tempting us to take matters into our own hands we find our flesh tempting us to try to make it without 
God because our flesh will tell you and it will tell me that what we're trying to do is just too hard for just you and God you serve. You've got to pick up something else and do it. So you say to yourself, maybe I can think my way out. Maybe I can buy my way out. Maybe I have enough talent to just get out all by myself. But after we walk the road that we walk, the, walk, the road of disappointments, the road of anger, the road of jealousy, the road of whatever it is that you're dealing with, it, we realize we can't do this ourselves. And so... If you have any ounce of any kind of spiritual maturity inside you, what you should do is we humble ourselves. We drop to our knees again, and we reach out for an answer from God. Let me just tell you, we need God to move on this church. We need God to move on this prayer list that we have. We need God to move in your, your job. We need God to move in your marriage. We need God to move in your pastor. We need God to move in your bishop. We need God to move more than you need to move, more than you need to do something, more than your talent or ability or whatever your lineage is. We need a move of God. I wish that I came to a church that believes that we need a move of God. We need God to fix the issues. We need God to work out our problems in a way that we cannot work them out ourselves. It is, it, it, I can only imagine, and I'm not trying to be, you know, mean, but I can only imagine God looking down and almost laughing and saying, what are they trying to do, trying to fix that problem themselves? Now, I have a weird sense of humor, so just roll with me. But I can almost wonder if God just looks at some of the angels and say, can you believe those people? Look at them down there trying to do it themselves. Don't they know that I already created the way of escape? Don't they know that I'm, I'm the one that has all the healings and miracles? They've seen me move before. What are they down there trying to futilely do by themselves what I've already guaranteed that they do? All they got to do is declare it and reach out to me and humble themselves and seek my face, and then I'll move upon them. But look at them try to do it themselves. And so we most often find ourselves in that same position as the children of Israel did in the Old Testament thousands of years ago, as I read. And our story is basically their story. They tried it on their own. They did what they thought was right in their own eyes. They turned away from the teachings of the past to satisfy the flesh of the now. Because how dare anybody tell me how I'm supposed to live. I don't care what Joshua said. I don't care what Moses said. I don't care what Joseph did or Israel or Abraham. It doesn't matter. I know better my life and I know my way. And so I'm going to do it all my way. And you watch that I won't prosper. That's what the children of Israel kind of had a mentality. Sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? So last week, I opened my Bible, and I started reading the book of Judges. It is an interesting read. I've really never got into the book of Judges before. 
I've never really kind of, I, I mean, you know, just to let you know, the, the story of Samson is in the book of Judges, and that's probably the only story in the book of Judges probably anybody knows. Probably don't know of any of the people that I, that I, that I just mentioned. If I had to quiz you right now, you probably couldn't guess the names if they weren't on the screen because I couldn't guess their names. Can't even say some of their names. But last week I opened up the Bible and as I read through each chapter, starting with verse 1, I was reading about the various judges for God's people. I noticed a very familiar and very consistent theme. It's a theme that is really the entire story of the children of Israel. If you want to go back, it doesn't start in Judges. Be honest with you, it starts all the way back to Eve. And it goes all the way through. I mean, it really goes all the way through and, until Jesus came in flesh. And then it picked up right back up and still went through. And it's still happening today. And it's not just the children of Israel. And so, it rings true to today's generation, and to this city, this church, me and you. Now, I read you a few scriptures, and I'm not going to go through reading any more verse by verse. I hope that you got a good view about what I'm trying to talk about. They are called by God to serve Him, and only Him, and obey the teachings of the one true God. That is their calling. But they don't believe that that's enough. So they mingle themselves with unbelievers. They give their daughters to marry to unbelievers that worship other gods. And they marry daughters from other nations that serve other gods. They mingle church people and unchurch people together in a relationship because they think, what is the harm? What is the harm if we would mingle them together? It makes no sense. Love is love. Kindness is kindness. It should be no big deal. Well, let me read to you how big of a deal it is to the children of Israel. Because they, when they opened that door, it's not just that door. They opened up the floodgates. They mingle themselves with unbelievers. They disobey God. They start worshiping other gods. They fall into slavery and ruin because of their sin. Because God will not, God will not tolerate a people that sin without cause and without repentance. You don't, you don't feel ready for this, but we need to be ready for this because we in 2021 are still trying to do what the children of Israel did back there in the judges' time. We think, hey, I'll just do whatever I need to do. I'll marry whoever I want to marry. I'll do whatever sin I want to sin. I won't listen to the preacher. I won't listen to the, to the Bible. I won't listen to nothing. I'll just do whatever I want to do. And I want you to know that if God did not respect it then, he does not respect it now. Let me just tell you, you are called apart. You are chosen to be separate to God. And so what we find is people who are called of God are now in slavery. And God sent them to slavery. This is what God would do. He would raise up an enemy. An enemy that could not battle them all by themselves. God would raise up that enemy to overthrow his own people. Because he does not respect the people that won't put him first. You want to know why some of the things in your life have power 
over you? This is the reason. This is the reason. Because we have turned from his face and we have walked a different way. I got to hurry because this is not even my message. So here's the continuation of the story. Israel finds themselves in slavery. They don't like living in slavery. They don't like living in ruin. They didn't mind getting into it. But now that they're into it, they don't like it. They don't like the addictions. They don't like the fact that their enemy has rule. They don't like the fact that they can't openly serve their one true God that they used to forget about, but now they remember. So, thank God they come to themselves, and they remember the one true God, and they again fall on their knees and ask God to send a deliverer. Without fail, I want you to hear me, church. Without fail, God hears them. I didn't, when I was going through Judges, I didn't get all excited about the fact that they sinned. I didn't get excited about the fact that God raised up an enemy to get, put them into slavery. I didn't get excited about all that stuff. But when I started to see that when they called upon God, God remembered them, God raised up a judge, and God brought them out of slavery, that's when I got excited. God hears them, sends a judge to straighten them out, and they have a blessed season filled with grace and mercy. Every one of these stories, well, they had 40 years of mercy. They had 30 years of mercy. They had 18 years of mercy. Unfortunately, what would happen then next is the judge would die. The voice of God was removed from them. And no one was there to remind them of their vow. And because there was no one there to remind them of their vow, they backslid and fell into slavery and ruin again. And repeat, and repeat, and repeat all through Judges. All through all of it, all through Samuel, all through Chronicles, all through the Old Testament. This is what has happened. They fall, they get saved, and then they fall. Over and over again, they mess up and they forget what they should know. Sin tempts them, and they fall prey to their flesh once again. The same story that was started by Eve in the garden is the same story that is played out right now in this church by people in this church. I'm not, telling, I'm not preaching a sermon that's based upon just, hey, let's think about what happened 5,000 years ago. I'm talking about this very same story is working in this church right now. You know God is the way. You know God is the life. You know that he delivered you. You know that he saved you. You know that he's been with you every step in the way. Yet you walk away from him and say, I'm going to go after money. I'm going to go after power. I'm going to go after this pretty girl or this handsome man. I'm going to go after what feeds my flesh. You are doing exactly what the children of Israel did. Instead of just doing what is right, what they know is right, what is taught to them is right. 
they decide to go a different way. Led not by God, but led by their flesh. And they mingle their separated life with an ungodly culture. Be very careful, ladies and gentlemen, when you start to adhere more to the world's culture than God's culture. And yes, God has a culture. It's written right here in black and white and red. And when you adhere to the world's culture more than God's culture, you are already on your way to ruin and slavery. You can't just be friends with anybody you want. You're playing with fire that will burn you. So over and over again, the children of Israel find themselves in bondage and slavery to not just another nation, but slaves to sin. But the fact that they constantly got themselves into messes, and the fact that you constantly get yourself into messes, and the fact that I constantly get myself in messes is not what I'm preaching about, because we can talk all day about our failures. No one wants to hear about our failures. We mess up. You're human. You're flesh. You trip. You mess up. You walk away from God at times. But, but that's not really what I want. That's not the meat of this message. That's not the meat of this scripture. But what I'm preaching about and what I want to tell you in just a few minutes, I'm not going to keep you long, but I am preaching about God's bountiful, endless, matchless grace and his ever-ending mercy that is available to you. And I want to tell you that every single time the children of Israel called upon God and reached out to God, it never failed that he would show up. And I've got to tell you, church, that in the years that I've been in church, it never fails that when we reach out to God and we seek his face, he shows up. When we find ourselves in a position of turmoil and sadness and discouragement and discontent, it never fails that when you show up to God and when you passionately go after him, he shows up. It never fails when we are at our lowest bottom, when we have nowhere to turn, no friends, and everybody is against us. It never fails when we turn to God. He answers us every time. And if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what else to say to you. Whether you're in a battle, coming out of a battle, or right going into a battle, it should encourage you to the fact that if I call upon God, if I straighten out my steps, if I get myself in order, if I tear down the little gods of my life, He shows up every time. When we need a healing, it never fails. The healing might not always look like we want it to, ladies and gentlemen. I have to tell you, the healing and the miracle might not always leave us with, with, with what we thought that it should look like. But when you call on the name of Jesus, it never fails that he does what is right in our position. And as we begin this month of prayer and fasting, I believe God has given us a witness that when we call on the name of God, He hears us. He shows up. He allows a voice to come into our lives, to calm us, to straighten us up, because it never fails that God responds 
to people that passionately cry out for his help. If you didn't know, God is still in the delivering business. If you have been just chained by your addiction and you can't get out of it, and I know we're church people and we all dressed up and we all want to pretend and, and, and act fake today that none of us have problems, but God knows your problems. You can't hide it from him. And so when you call upon the name of the Lord and say, I've got this issue and this problem that I just cannot shake and it's not something that I can just move on it's something that is blocking my joy and blocking my praise and blocking my worship God will show up on the scene and he will do what he is supposed to do to make sure that you can worship and praise him now you're going to have to get into a position you're going to have to get into a position where you cry out with God with passion when the children of Israel were in the middle of their ruin and their slavery, they weren't like, hey, everything is good. But I'd like a little bit better, Lord. So if you want, show up on the scene. That was not the way it was. When they were in a place of repentance, I'm going to tell you, the children of Israel could show you how repentance is really. We don't know really how to repent like they knew how to repent back then. They would just rip their clothes and they would sit in, in, in turmoil on the ground outside of the city. And they would wail all day and every day for God to hear them because there was no way out. They didn't lean upon their intellect or their money anymore because they didn't have none of that no more. They leaned upon the only thing that they knew would come through every single time and that was not government and that was not popular people but that was the one true God Almighty now, I'm not saying we always get exactly what we ask for no God doesn't always respond exactly how we wish that he would but he always responds in our best interest more than ever before we need to put our trust in God completely, without reservation and without hesitation, with our whole hearts, our whole minds, trusting in the Lord for God to show up on the scene. And it never fails that when we seek after God, He shows up. You almost have to wonder, why do we try to do it any other way? Why do we have to, go, why do we have to come to February and have a a specific time of prayer and fasting and consecration to get us to understand that what we need to do is always be in a time of prayer, fasting, and consecration. Because when we are in prayer, fasting, and consecration, God always shows up. Don't we want God to always show up? Or do you only want God in February? No, no. We want him every single day, every single hour, every month. In fact, we want him sometimes when we don't even know we want him. When in the middle of the night and something major happens in your life and there is a pain and there is a fever or there is a heart attack or there is an accident, you don't have time to say, well, let, give me 28 days to get right with God. You need to have immediately right with God. You need to speak his name. And I'm going to tell you, when you speak his name, it never fails that he shows up. One of the keys to this is your desire to not want to be in the position of slavery anymore. If you are in love with your captor, God won't deliver you. Do you hear me? If you are in love 
with your sin, God will not release that sin to you. Because you still hold on to that sin. you got to get into a position where you're like, I don't need this addiction. I don't need this stumbling block. I don't need this mountain anymore. But when you get free from the desire of controlling your own life, God will give you freedom from what controls you. You get sick and tired of living in sin, call upon the name of the Lord. I want the music to come. Go after God with purpose and passion. And God will deliver you just like he delivered the children of Israel when they called him. Now let me just say this. It is not God's will. It is not God's will. It has never been God's will to have a relationship like the children of Israel emulated. It is not God's will to be up and down. It's not God's will for you to be worshiping and praising God on Sunday, but on Tuesday be listening to what you're listening to and watching what you're watching. It is not God's will for you to come up here and, and, and sing or, or teach Sunday school or, or do whatever you do. But then, but then come Tuesday, you're still in the same old, same old muck and mire that you're always in. That's not God's will. God's not will is for you to be on fire in February and then be backslid in March and then be back up again in May and then be down in June. Because, see, it's June. It's warm. We need to go outside. And so let's be backslid in June. That's not God's will. God's will is for you to consistently, perpetually lean upon God. God knows that you're going to fail. God knows that you're going to stumble. God knows that you're going to have times that are low. But you shouldn't be in slavery. It wasn't God's will for the children of Israel. God's will for the children of Israel is he said, listen, I'm giving you all this land for free. I will conquer every enemy that shows up. I will give you milk and honey that's roaring over. Anything that you want, I'll give to you. You can have everything. All you got to do is worship me. They had the promised land in their hand. But they refused it because they thought sin was too great. You don't even know. You hear this. You don't even know how good God wants your life because you keep walking away from him. You don't even know. You can't even realize how awesome God has things in store for you. But you don't ever get to your promised land because sin is too important to you. And I want you to know, I want you to know that you can call upon God and God will show up. There is one thing I'm certain of. I am certain that we are flesh, and I am certain that we will stumble. But I am more confident that after we stumble, God will be there every time to help us up. And he's not going to make you walk through all of that sin that you just walked through to get back to him. All you got to do is turn around, and he will show up right where you're at. We sang that song earlier, and I can't quote the whole thing. But he was talking about God's reckless love and how he'll, he'll climb the mountains and he'll put back the shadows and he'll leave the 99 and he'll do all these things and that is absolutely true. But what I want to know is, will you climb up a mountain for God? We want God to leave the 99 to go after us, but will you leave that one person you're with that is causing you to backslide? Oh, yeah. We want God to push back the darkness and push back the shadows. And we want God to fight for us. But will you fight for your relationship with God? See, it's not just a one-way street, ladies and gentlemen. If you call upon him, he shows up. If you reject him, he will raise up your enemies against you.
Let's all stand to our feet. It never fails. It never fails. It never fails. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes, ask you not to move. I am doing an altar call. If you can still feel the Holy Spirit calling to you, He's ready to try with you again. If you can feel just a tiny nudge right now, just a little tug of the Holy Ghost, God is wanting you to come back to Him. God is wanting you to trust in Him again. If you can't feel the tug of the Spirit, but you need deliverance, you need to do what the children of Israel did when they got sick of their slavery. You need to humble yourself. You need to fall on your face. Repent of the foolishness and pride. And repent of the sinful life. And, I'm, and you're wondering, if I do that, will God show up? God always answers genuine prayer. God always answers prayer. It never fails. As we pray, it never fails God to show up. I'm calling an altar call right now. I want everybody to find a place to pray. I want everybody to find a place to pray. This is not time for you to leave. This is not time for you to go out and shop in the hall or go to the bathroom. This is time for you to find a place to pray. Give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. I'm not opening my eyes. I'm not blaming anybody. Give me five minutes. Talk with God. Give God all of your issues and problems. Say, Lord, I've, this, this is my problem. This is my issue. I'm in ruin. I'm addicted. I, I'm just, I cannot find my praise and worship. I cannot find my road back to you. I promise you, God will be on your scene. I also need some saints to be praying right now. I need some saints to be praying right now. We need a, a presence of the Lord, a praise and a worship to come upon this place. Saints, if you don't know, this was a hard message to preach. Uh, this is not easy. This is very hard. But I believe God is telling you, no matter how far you come, I will show up on the scene right now for you. Come on, pray right now. Come on, pray right now.